Good morning. I want to give a shout out to all of you that are watching online right now. Hello, Susan and Andy. That's my mom. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Ben Glenn. I am one of the next-gen pastors. That is just a fancy way of saying I get to hang out with the students and have all the fun. Yeah, we got, we got some of the, the young people in here today. Um, super excited about today's message. It was, uh, the, the theme was inspired by an outpost that I started three weeks ago called Knockout Indie Boxing. There we go. Knockout Indie Boxing is a non-contact boxing exercise program that focuses in on physical strength, and catch this, and mental confidence. We do a lot of work, not just here, but also here. Every Tuesday and Thursday from 6.30 a.m. to 8 a.m., we're right outside in the parking lot getting it done. So if you're interested, come on out and have some fun. But this theme was inspired by this outpost, and the theme is Fight the Good Fight of Faith, which comes from 1 Timothy 6.12, very, very uh, popular Bible verse. It says this, Fight the Good Fight of the Faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So before I unpack this, let me tell you how I got into boxing. It's kind of a weird story. It's not something that I've always been into. And I was into basketball. And I was this Midwestern basketball player. I played basketball in high school, played basketball in college, and gave me a scholarship to play in college. Went on and continued to play. I loved to compete. I loved to sweat. When I got into my 30s, though, my wife noticed that uh, as much as I loved basketball, basketball wasn't loving me back. My knees and my ankles. And my wife kept telling me, you got to find another sport. You got to find another sport. This isn't good. And of course, being the good husband that I am, I didn't listen. I kept playing basketball. And one time I was at LA Fitness playing a pickup game, and I went for a loose ball, and I heard my knees go snap, crackle, and pop. Now, when your Rice Krispies do that, that's entertainment. When your knees do it, you need to make a change. And so now I was in pursuit of some kind of a new exercise activity, super ADD. One of the greatest components to be a successful person who has ADHD is fine cardiovascular workout. It helps your mind. It really does. Helps slow you down. And so I needed something, and I didn't want to do the treadmill. You know, yeah, you got the elliptical, and that's kind of a, you know, a little bit better than the treadmill. Super boring. My wife's brilliant idea was, Ben, why don't you try boxing? Before I came on full-time at Mercy Road, my job for the last 25 years has been motivational speaker. I stand on stages all across the country, and I talk to thousands of people, you know, different corporations and schools and churches, and I'm thinking to myself, isn't that the sport where they punch you in the face? This is the moneymaker. She's like, no, no, you love it. You'll you love it. And so she connected me with this guy by the name of Coach Hank Johnson. And the only way to describe Coach Johnson is this, old school. First time I met Coach, he passed me on my belly like I'm the Pillsbury Doughboy. And he says, Ben, I'm going to need you to start backing away from that table a little bit quicker at dinner time." I'm thinking, I just met you and he's calling me a chunky monkey. I've never worked so hard in my life. I quickly found out how amazing Coach Johnson was and how much he loved boxing and how much he loved to be a boxing coach. I remember one time we were working out and we were wrapping up our hands and I looked down and I saw this little gold ring on his finger and it had all these little circles on it. I'm like, Coach, I know there's a story there. What is that all about? And he says, well, 
I took the boxing team to the Olympics and they gave me coach of the year for the Olympics. And I'm like, uh, okay. And you live in Indiana, how? <laughs> then they started telling me a little bit more about his story. I had no idea who his brother was, who he helped train. Marvin Johnson, two-time light heavyweight champion of the world. Coach Johnson has trained world champions. Last year, Coach Johnson was inducted into the Boxing Hall of Fame. The guy knows boxing. And he worked me hard. We trained and we trained and we trained. And he had me doing things that I just, I'm like, wow. I remember after about six months, I was hanging around the house and, and, and my wife was kind of giving me this weird look. And I'm like, what is she looking at? You know, she's just kind of looking at me. And then all I heard her say was, worth every penny. <laughs> yeah, you know it. After a year, coach had this brilliant idea. You see, up to this point, non-contact. Basically, that means I don't get hit. We're hitting heavy bags. He's got me jumping rope. I'm doing the diet thing. We're doing mitts, which is really cool. If you get to do the mitts, you feel like you're boxing, but you don't have to worry about getting damaged. We did that for a year, and he says, you're ready. I'm like, ready for what? He says, I got you signed up for an amateur boxing tournament in Kansas City, Missouri, put on by ringside every year. It does not matter. The age group is, is unlimited. They've got guys, little kids like 9, 10 years old. They even have guys that are competing in their 70s. And he says, I got you signed up to fight. We just hope there's another crazy 35-year-old that wants to do the same thing. And I'm like, did you get my wife to sign off on this? He's like, it was her idea. <laughs> you know, check that life insurance policy, see if she upped that a little bit. Things are... So I agreed to it. And, and then coach says, hey, so before you actually go fight for the prize, we've got to do some practice fights. It's called sparring. It's every bit as much of a fight and is every bit as, in fact, it's even more difficult. The outcome, the purpose in a sparring session is not to win a, a belt or, or a trophy, but what you're, you're hoping for is to gain experience. It says, coach is like, well, there are not a whole lot of guys your size out there. I'm going to try to find somebody. Literally like three days after he told me this, he's like, I got someone. He calls me nine in the morning. Ben, get ready. 4.30. We're going to go spar. Get some rest. Eat right. Yeah, I didn't got no rest. Spent a lot of time that day visiting the bathroom because of the butterflies that were going on in here wanting to escape. I was so nervous. And then he made it worse. We're driving down there and I'm the one driving. I'm shaking like this. And he looks over to me and he's like, I, I feel like I need to tell you this, Ben. Um, when we get there, they're going to want to rip your head off because of who I am and they know who I am and they don't want me to bring somebody in there and make them look bad. I'm like, thanks, coach. That makes me feel so much better. I meet Ralph and Ralph isn't as tall as I am, but he's much bigger than I am. And I'm thinking, you said you're going to have a hard time finding big people. This guy's extra, extra large. <laughs> Ralph, his arms are about the size of tree trunks and, and uh, uh, he weighs about 315 pounds. I don't weigh that much. And all I'm thinking is, this is the guy I gotta go against? Coach puts the headgear on, all the protective garments that you wear when you spar. And, and, and I'm in my corner and, and he could tell I'm nervous. And then he makes it even worse. He pulls out this huge jar of Vaseline and he starts rubbing Vaseline all over my face. And I'm like, coach, my lips aren't chapped. What are you doing? He's like, this isn't, this isn't for your lips. This is for your face so that when he hits you, those gloves don't make a dent. We're hoping that they slide right off and, and the Vaseline's supposed to help that. And I look at him and I said, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't say nothing about getting hit. You trained me not to get hit. 
Remember all that slip and rolling and ducking and diving? And all? I'm, I don't want to get hit. And then he brought the reality. He said, Ben, it's inevitable. The fact that you're stepping in that ring means you will get hit tonight. That's part of it. But I have trained you and I've given you my best so that when you get into that ring, it does not matter what you face, you can endure anything. Ben, I have trained you so that if you get knocked down, you will get back up. You will endure what you face. And boy, did I get hit. Let's watch a little clip. This will be fun for everyone. I'm the one in the red. Yeah, there's something. Um, and Coach reminded me of that something. He said, I told you never to put your head down. What'd you just do? Not listen. <laughs> I uh, trained with Ralph a half a dozen times. And every time I got a little bit better, got a little bit better. We went down to Kansas City and I haven't pulled this out in a while. It's kind of heavy. 30-second fight, and I walked away with a belt. I used to wear this around the house and make my family call me champ. <laughs> kind of lost something when my wife said, hey, champ, go take out the trash. <laughs> I haven't competed in a long time, and... Uh, Though I haven't competed, I've heard the words from my coach so many times as it would relate to life. Ben, whatever you face, I have trained you so that you can endure. Isn't that what we're called to do? Endure? Let's pray before I unpack this, this passage in Timothy. Father God, I thank you so much for the experience that I had with Coach Johnson and what an amazing man he is and just the illustration and, and the parallel between what we are called to do and, and this, this encouragement that you are giving t Timothy to fight the good fight of the faith. And, and Lord, I pray that you would just uh, help me to decrease, clear my mind, take that ADD stuff and throw it out the door so that whatever happens on this stage today would be for your glory alone, and we could all walk out of this room saying, I got a chance to get closer to Jesus. I got a chance to learn more about Jesus and what he wants to do in me and through me. And so, Lord, we give you the glory. It's in your name we pray. Amen. And so let's revisit this, uh, uh, this passage. 1 Timothy 6, 12, it says, fight the good fight of the faith. So before we get into this, I want to make sure something, because right now some of you may be thinking, hey, this isn't for me. I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. I'm a lover, not a fighter. You may never get into a real boxing ring. You never may come out Tuesdays or Thursday to knock out any boxing. That's okay. But let there be no mistake. You will have to fight. You're going to get in the ring, whether you like it or not. 
Jesus himself tells us this in John 16, 33, when he says, in this life, you will face troubles of all kind. He doesn't tell us what kind of troubles, but we will face battles. Then he gives us this little hope, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And that is what we are putting our faith in. So I wanna make sure, I don't want you to sit back and relax and say, hey, I am not a fighter. I'm never gonna put gloves on. When it comes to life, this journey called life, you need to get in the game and recognize right now, you're gonna have to fight. And it does not matter how young or old you are. These battles come without warning. In fact, Davey talked about it the last two weeks, pain to purpose. There are gonna be those moments where life throws you a curveball, and I don't know how big it's gonna be or how small it's gonna be, but it's gonna hurt. It's gonna be that uppercut that you just saw me take, and it's not gonna feel good. And so this message is very relevant, so listen up, because here's some good stuff. Before a fighter gets into the ring, they're gonna ask three really important questions. The first question that they're gonna ask is, what am I fighting for? That's pretty relevant. There has to be some kind of a motivation for you to take a step into that ring, and it's gonna have to be something really good. And, and Paul tells us right here in this verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. What we are fighting for is to hold on to our faith. Now, let me, let me make sure you don't mistake this. We're not fighting for salvation. We are not fighting to keep our salvation. That's a done deal. What we are fighting for is to hold on to our faith in what we believe that what Jesus Christ did on that cross is true and it is relevant today in our life and it is what gives us the hope to endure. We're fighting for our faith. We're not fighting for salvation. The Bible tells us we already win. Did you hear that this morning? We win. We win. Bible says, thanks be to God, we have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's almost like before that tournament in Kansas City, coach says, hey, Ben, it doesn't matter what goes on over there. I've already secured the belt. It's yours. You win. I guarantee you if I knew that, man, I'd step in there a little bit more bouncy. That fight would have only lasted five seconds, not 30 Here's the best thing about this is that it's not only about just holding on to that faith, but this faith that we have in God can actually grow. Grow in the moments that we step into that ring. How crazy does this sound to people that don't know the hope that we have in Jesus? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of any kind because the testing of your faith develops perseverance. How whacked out and crazy does that sound? Basically, that passage in James is saying, hey, when you face those battles, when you get into the ring, consider it joy, embrace it, because it's an opportunity to grow your faith and to, to let God work in you. So what are you fighting for? Hold on to that faith. Second question you're gonna ask before you step into that ring, who am I fighting? Who am I fighting? Who's my opponent? The enemy, the enemy is gonna to try to stumble you up with anything possible. Enemy is gonna to try to distract you. They're gonna to try to rob you of joy. I'm going over this message with Rashad. Y'all know Pastor Rashad, right? Oh man, I tell you what, we, we started going to this. I'm like, we could just go for like three hours. You get Rashad going, man, that man. So we do this on Wednesday and... 
I wake up at 4.30 in the morning with an idea. And you see, I learned something, you know, part of my ADD brain is this, if I have an idea, I'm not gonna remember it. You guys ever have that happen to you before where you're like, this is a great idea, it's brilliant, I'll never forget it, I'll write it down later. And then two seconds later, you're like, what's that idea? You gotta write it down. If you don't write it down, it doesn't exist. And I've trained myself, when I have an idea, write it down. So at 4.30 in the morning, I write this to Rashad because he's the first person in my text feed. I write this. The enemy already knows he lost. His only hope is to pull you away from your faith and cause you to doubt. Doubting God robs us of our joy in knowing we already win. Doubting leads us to the dark, destructive alone time thinking that can give birth to dark decisions and actions. Why do I fight? To hold on to my faith so I can continue to find God's abundant joy in all things. I gave that wake-up call to Rashad at 4.51 in the morning on Thursday. The enemy, the only thing that he can do is, is to create doubt in your mind. And when you're doubting, and when you're in those moments, those dark alone times, and that's when it comes the most, those dark alone times, when you're by yourself and you're feeling a little bit of pain, whether it's external or eternal, you feel these pains and then you start wondering, is this Jesus stuff real? Did he really die on the cross? Does he really know the things that I have done? Why would he die for me? Why is this a gift? What do I have to do to clean up my life? And so all of these dark thoughts begin to, to bombard our mind and we, we feel this incredible doubt so then we make bad decisions like, you know what, I'm gonna stay alone. I'm not gonna get back into community. I'm gonna stay away from the word. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do what, what feels easy, what feels right, what feels good. And those are the things that happen in that dark time where the enemy tries to distract you and cause you to stumble. And the worst above all that is he robs you from joy. We didn't end up winning the Super Bowl in 2017, but I'm a diehard Viking fan. It has been years and years of disappointment. <laughs> Yesterday, I just for the, I don't know why, but I, I Googled Minneapolis Miracle, and if any of you guys are football fans, you know what happened when, <laughs> there we go. We got one Viking fan, whoo, you and me, Zach. <laughs> but I, I'm watching Stefan Diggs with 10 seconds left on the clock do a walk-off win against the New Orleans Saints. And even though I knew the outcome, I looked over at my daughter, who's a diehard Viking fan, and she's just as excited as me. And I'm like, do you feel this? I mean, I'm still feeling this incredible joy in a drum and for what just happened, this incredible win. You see, when we doubt, we're not expressing that joy. We're not raising our hands and praising adoration, seeing victory in Jesus. And you know what the thing about joy is? It's contagious. It rubs off. People want to be around it. And the crazy thing is this, is that when you are experiencing joy in the midst of the storm, people want to know what is wrong with that person. I got to go find out. And when you are battling and fighting that storm and you're still experiencing this incredible joy in Christ, you can't help but point them in the direction of the one that you've placed your hope in. Joy is contagious, and who wants to stumble, cause you to stumble? Who wants to trip you up? The enemy. And so what does he do? Cause you to doubt. Because if you're out there sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, that means people that are enslaved to their sin are, are going to hear the truth, and he doesn't want that to happen. Why are we fighting? Hold on to our faith. Who are we fighting? The enemy. And the third thing that you're going to ask before you step into the ring is this. What's the strategy, coach? 
What do I got to do? What's the training that I need to do in order to get into that ring and be ready? Actually, if we unpack this passage a little bit more, Paul actually gives us a lot of really good wisdom here that helps us in knowing what to do if we want to practice daily in order to get in the ring of life. And here it is. Verse 3, it says this. If anyone teaches false doctrines, let me stop there for a minute. Now, I'm super ADD, and sometimes we hear these big words, and I remember the first time I heard the word doctrine, I'm thinking, aren't those like khaki shorts? Uh, Those are dockers. (laughs) What this is referring to, I want to break it down and simplify it, because it's okay. Sometimes you're going to read things in the Bible, and and you don't know something or don't understand something, or they're going to use a word like doctrine, and, and your pride and your ego keeps you from going up and asking somebody, hey, you know, I've heard this forever and ever and ever, but can you explain to me what's this word mean? Be okay with that, Okay. Basically, doctrine means instruction. So if anyone is teaching false instructions, if they're giving bad instruction and does not agree to the sound instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ and to godly teaching, he is conceited and understands nothing. So the first thing that we can gather right here from this verse is that training, number one thing to do, get in the word of God. We've got to get into the word of God because this is our sound instruction. It's almost like what's going on outside the world, it sounds really good, doesn't it? This false doctrine comes out and it is pretty. It's almost like a coach putting on all this brand new Adidas warm-up suit. You got the Adidas shoes on. You got that sparkly, you know, little uh, whistle hanging there. And he walks into the gym and he says, all right, I know what you got to do when you step into that ring. I want you to keep your gloves down here and I want you to stick your head up real high. I promise you won't get hit. Yeah, what's going to happen? You're going to get knocked out. That's the way that I envision this false doctrine. And sometimes it looks good and it sounds good and it tickles the ear and it sounds convincing and then all of a sudden you start doubting. But you see, here's the way that we combat that is that we ourselves become students of the word. I'm not saying read the Bible. I'm saying be a student of the Bible. You've got to unpack it. And if you don't understand it, have somebody help you to understand it. You need to be rooted in the word. And isn't it kind of crazy that our church actually offers a program called Rooted? which is about getting more acquainted with the scriptures. You've got to dive into this because here's what's gonna happen. Here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna get real busy. In fact, I'm reading this book called Living by the Book and it gives all of these reasons why we avoid and we don't get into the scriptures. And so I don't have time to unpack that, but some of them are so familiar. And the one that jumps out to me the most is busyness. Man, we get so caught up pursuing the pretty things of this world that in that busyness, in that pursuit, We get tired, and when we get tired, we make accommodations that we should never make, like this. I'm just going to come to church on Sunday, and I'm going to listen to Pastor Rashad preach the word and bring the scriptures to life, because I know he's studying. I know that he's unpacking these scripture verses, but you see, here's the problem. When it comes time for you to step into that ring, you can't stop and say, hey, uh, Mr. Opponent, before you one, two, three, uppercut me, can we just time out for a minute? I've heard about the training. I know somebody who's been training, Rashad. Can I trade places and let him get in the ring instead of me? Doesn't work that way. You're gonna have to fight your own fight. That's why you train. That's why you gotta get into the word. It goes on. Second thing you need to do, training-wise, community. You gotta get into community. Let me finish reading this. 
It goes on and it says this, uh, continues in verse four. He has an unhealthy interest. This is a person who's preaching the false doctrine. He has an unhealthy interest in controversy and quarrels about words that result in envy, strife, malice, talk, evil suspicions, and constant friction between men of corrupt minds. Basically what is happening here is Paul is saying, hey, these people that are teaching false doctrine, you know what they do is they come into community and they poison the water hole. They're the ones that are constantly complaining. You ever been around somebody like that? Somebody that's always like looking for an argument? You know, you'll say something, they always got to disagree. How does that feel? Horrible. And so what we can gather from here is the importance of community. One of the things that I love about the Knockout Indie Boxing Outpost is that we leave our egos outside. Everybody comes in at a different level and we're all about encouraging one another. We are a team. We encourage and we inspire one another, hey, to keep battling, to keep fighting. And isn't that what we're supposed to do as a body of believers? To come and, and be a part of this community that is built on the foundation of Christ, true biblical teachings, the foundation, the rock of Christ, so that we can encourage one another because that we know, because the Bible tells us we're all gonna be out there fighting these battles so that we know that if our, my brother or sister gets knocked down, that we can be there for God to use to help lift them back up. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Don't get caught up with all of the crazy things that we can argue about. Let's talk about Jesus, because we agree on that. Get in the Bible. Become a part of a community. Third one, my favorite. Grow your intimacy with God. Listen to what it says. We're going to jump down a little bit here. Actually, we're going to go to six. The godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world and we take nothing out. But if we have food and, and clothing, we are content with that. I'm going to jump down to verse 11 and it says this, but you man of God, and he's talking to Timothy, flee from all this. He's talking about the pursuit of money and pursuit of all of these worldly things. He's saying, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight. There are two things that jump out to me here, two words, the word godliness and the word pursue. You see, if you come out to knock out any boxing, do you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a carbon copy of coach because I spent a lot of time with that man and he taught me and he taught me well. You see, if we want to, to, to pursue godliness, we've got to be spending time with God. It doesn't just happen. You've got to set a dedicated, deliberate time. And you know what the most precious thing that you have in life is? It's not your money. The Bible just tells us you brought nothing into this world. You're taking nothing out. How do we find that level of contentment with just food and water? The only way that you get that is by recognizing that the time I spend with God, that's where I find my contentment. As he pours into me, as he begins to guide me and mold me as a man that he always desired me to be. Pursuing godliness means I have got to sacrifice my time. That's the one thing you can't make anymore. You can always go out and make money. You can always make a house. You can always have someone make you a car. But you know what you cannot make any more of? Time. That is why it is so precious. And that is why if we are out there pursuing the wrong thing, we are not training properly for the, for the fight. The fights that we will face. 
we got to get into the Word, and we've got to, to get a part of community, but nothing, nothing beats getting with God. And that is a deliberate time you've got to spend. Mercy students, we've got some incredible leaders. We really do. Amazing leaders. When we started the new year, Josh had me write down my goals, and the first goal that I put up there was, my job and goal is to make my leaders as uncomfortable as possible. In fact, if they were even here right now, they'd even say, hey, what's, your, what's our goal? What's our goal, Zach? Be uncomfortable. Be uncomfortable. Right, Zach's going to be uncomfortable tonight because this man is manned up. He's giving his testimony tonight, and it's going to be awesome. It is not easy to do what he's going to do tonight, but he says, yes, I'm going to do this. And it's made him uncomfortable, but it's also forced him to study, to get more acquainted with his story and got in his story. And I love, love our leaders. You know why? Because they show up. I'm old enough to know that, you know what? A lot of times people will say things and not do it. But every Sunday night when these leaders show up, man, I, I get choked up. And I tell them, and I don't, maybe they won't get this till they get a little bit older, till they get stood up by people that say they're gonna do something and don't do it. But I look at my leaders and I say, the fact that you are here inspires me. And so I'm constantly challenging them. I'm surprised they keep coming back with as many challenges I dump on them. But the most recent, recent one is this. Guys, we need to pray. I made a, a prayer doc. This is an ADD technique. You see, it's okay if you're just walking along, mire or whatever, and you want to throw up a prayer, or you're driving around, and you want to pray, you do that. Hey, anytime you're talking to God, that's powerful. But you see, for me, I notice that when I take the deliberate time to sit down at my computer, and I open up the prayer doc, and I begin to type out my prayers, something different happens. It slows everything down a little bit. And then I begin to realize, oh my gosh, there's a whole lot for me to say to God than I thought there was when I first sat down. And I've seen the prayers of my leaders change a little bit. It used to be, hey, you know, God, can you help such and such because he's got a test coming up. It's changed since we've started this prayer doc. I've seen some people pray this. Hey, God, you know that such and such has got this test. Can you help them with that anxiety? Lord, can you be with them and comfort them through this journey because tests are really frustrating and tough for a lot of people. And then, Lord, is there anything that I can do to help? And the next thing you know, I asked that leader, hey, what have you been up to? Hey, I've been uh, working with the student, tutoring them so that they can be ready for their test. Something different happens the more time we spend with Jesus in prayer. He does something through you. It, ch it changes you. I'm gonna wrap up here. My big challenge to you guys is this, train. The fights are coming. You may be battling one right now, but they're there. And my hope is that you do those three things. Spend time in the word. Stay a part of the community. Even in those moments when that dark doubt comes in your brain and says, hey, it's safer to get alone. I'm gonna do a little bit of self time, a little, little self therapy. No, get with community. Let people love on you. Let people encourage you and inspire you to continue to fight that battle. And above all else, guys, talk to God. You guys have heard that passage. Come to me, all you are weary and burdened. He's waiting with open arms. That's how we train. That's how we become warriors. That's how we hold on to our faith. Let me pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to share my heart. And I pray that you would just continue to convict 
That's what I hope for today, conviction. So many of us, we've kind of been doing this lukewarm thing and we're not really training yet. And it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be tough. Anybody who's ever trained for anything knows it is hard, but it is worth it. So Father God, I pray for these individuals, young and old, lay that conviction upon our hearts so much so that we move, so that we train in you. In your name we pray these things, amen.